You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 30, a.k.a. Martin Broder of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing on this Easter Monday, Durham? Not too bad, man. Just uh, letting all the food settle in from the weekend and enjoyed some uh, cracking games this week. How about you? No, no, not too much, man. Uh, same, same thing. Just enjoyed uh, a couple cracking games. Of course, we didn't get that third one because, you know, up here in Canada in April, you still get snowstorms. And unfortunately, that canceled one of the games. But no big deal, right? We still got to see two games and two very, very exciting games of Hockey Durham because we were introduced to the Maddie show. That's right. Maddie Veneers finally making his debut with the Seattle Kraken. What did you think of those games, man? Solid first showing from, a, you know, still a young kid coming in his first NHL games. I thought it was pretty good. You know, he did a lot of the little things right. You can still see, obviously, there's a lot of room to grow, but you see the glimpses of things that are going to, you know, keep cracking fans happy going forward. That's for sure. Oh, big time. And uh, yeah, they played Calgary on April 12th, and it was their 73rd game of the season already. And why don't we jump right into that one? Because Matty Beneers making his debut, like we said, in Calgary. So getting a little taste for, you know, hockey up in Canada and the NHL there. So that's pretty cool to be playing your first game, uh, you know, north of the border there. And uh, in a place where they do love their hockey quite a bit. And I mean, especially when they're a team like Calgary Flames right now, right? Like those fans are absolutely loving everything they've seen from their team this season. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a good welcome to the NHL moment for him, right? Walking out there and seeing the sea of red just going bananas. Luckily, Calgary's good this year, too. So they're absolutely fired up there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he had his family, too, there. So so that's pretty special for him to be able to have that there as well. And uh, not exactly the line that we expected him to be on, but he was centering a line between Ryan Donato and Jordan Eberle. What did you think of that setup? 
it's kind of half what we expected, right? Like an offensive guy on one side. And then like you mentioned last time, a more little bit of a defensive guy who's been there veteran on his other side. Everly, I think you mentioned by name last pod. So I like yeah, it. Yeah, I said it would probably be someone like that on that right side. Guys who can produce offense, right? And that's the type of players you have to put with a guy like Matty Benares because he just makes the players around him so much better. And that's one of the biggest things I took away from these last two games watching Matty Benares is how much better he already makes this Kraken team. It's, it's absolutely wild. My biggest takeaway for him was his commitment to the defensive game. Like I knew that coming in, he was going to be a two-way guy down the middle of the ice, right? But it was mm-hmm. really nice to see when he's still because I think he is. Did he just turn nineteen? Uh I he is nineteen currently, but I don't know exactly when he turned it. I'd have to double check on that. I could look that up. But still, like what I was going for there is you see the young a teenager in the NHL and what he was going for right down every back check was he was coming through the middle, taking a man and not just taking him. And then, then as a play died, he curled off looking to cheat offense, but he would stick with his guy until it was established possession for the crack. And he was strong down low at times. I mean, at times he still got beat. He's a young kid. That's going to happen. But as he matures and grows into his body a bit more, you can already see he's going to be a force at both ends of the rink. Oh, big time. And his attention to detail, too, stood out quite a bit. Some of his head movement, I mean, uh, we'll talk about it uh, right away here, but some of the little things he was doing and just his attention to detail, his hockey IQ, like you could see he he's an absolute gamer, too. Like uh, this guy is such a pro already, and you could tell, you know, as soon as that game starts, he is completely dialed in. And, uh, dude, I'm just so excited to be able to keep watching this guy going forward. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch his career go from start to finish all the way, hopefully all the way in Seattle, too. Yeah, and one little tidbit I I actually didn't know was the fact that, you know, he has a bit of a connection with Ryan Donato, who is, you know, a guy who is also from the Boston area, just like Beneers is. And I believe, you know, they had a bit of history going back. Uh, they've pro- I, they have done some training together in the off seasons, uh, you know, so, so little things like that, that, that definitely does make a difference. So, uh, so I, I do see why Ryan Donato was put on the same line as him. I really like that idea now, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of history there, too, not just with uh, Matt and Ryan, but also with Ryan's dad, Ted. Like, uh, Matt Beneers was actually slated and committed to Harvard to go play for Ted Donato, who was the coach there. But then COVID happened, so the season got shut down and all these kids got chances to go play elsewhere. And the family sat down with Ted Donato and talked through quite a bit about where they're going to go next. And I think it was between Michigan and Boston College, and they eventually settled on Michigan. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could kind of see why they probably settled on Michigan. I mean, why not if you have a chance to be a part of that stack team and, you know, try to go on a pretty special run in the NCAA, you're probably going to lean towards that, right? And it, it turned out to be, you know, they got pretty close. They got to the semifinal this year, um, but it would have been pretty special to play on a team like that, right? Yeah, there would have been a lot of good times in that locker room. Oh, Yeah. And uh, he turned 19 on uh, November 5th, okay? okay? Or, yeah, so November 5th, he turned 19. So, you know, he's still 19 for for a little while here. So, um, you know, he's going to be 19 when the next season starts as well. So this kid's still 
very, very young, so much potential to grow. So just super excited to watch Matty Beneers. And honestly, uh, what better start could you ask for for number 10 in his NHLWA? No, definitely. I mean, setting up the first goal of the game on a perfectly placed pass across the offensive zone right to his good buddy there, Ryan Donato, we've been talking about a fair bit. And he just wires that one-timer pass, Markstrom. Yeah, absolutely wasting no time easing into his NHL career, that's for sure. And just what vision on that play right there to make that. Yeah, you see him quickly take a look where Donato is before the puck comes back to him on the point, and he just slings a rocket over there on his tape. Yeah, that's that one part where once I seen that in the replay, it's little tidbits like that that you understand just how good this kid really is. Um, You know, that he can obviously tell that play is going to come back to him there. He's making a read. So he quickly you know, jolts his head over to the right side, sees that Donato's got some open ice over there. Once he receives that puck, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing before he even gets it. And he slings that over to him and it ends up, you know, becoming the first goal of the hockey game. And uh, you couldn't ask for a better start, right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly like you said, what people, what you'll often hear when people are describing a player's IQ or their smarts, oh, he's a step ahead of the game. That plays the exact what people are talking about. Like you said, the puck goes up to the point. Beneers already knows it's coming back to him. So when it goes up to the point, he's looking for where he's going to be moving the puck when it comes back. Exactly, right? It's like that old old, uh, Gretzky quote, right? Where you don't go where the puck is, you, you, you go where the puck's going to be, right? So kind of that kind of anticipation there. I know I kind of butchered that <laughs> that quote a little bit, but you know what are, where I'm getting at there. But yeah, that damn first line of Calgary, just able to answer right back with a goal of their own from Matthew Kachuk, ends up tipping Noah Hannafin's shot. It looks like it was maybe going to go high, and then he ends up tipping it almost down, but it still kind of goes top shelf there. And, and that would, you know, turn it into a one, one hockey game head into the second period. Yeah. I mean, that's what you like to see out of the first 20 against one of the NHL's best teams, right? Especially with the game before that, when it was four, one, you want to be sure you're coming against or, you know, bringing it to the Calgary flames there. I mean, the goal against, obviously you don't want, but I really mm-hmm. feel like the Kraken had their legs early in this game and came flying out of the gate in the first period. And, I mean, at the end of 20, you're tied against one of the top teams in the league. So that ain't bad at all. No, not at all. And, you know, going into the start of the second period, the Kraken's relentless forecheck, it once again pay off for them. And uh, you'd see the strong effort from Cole Lynn, you know, getting getting into the zone there creates a turnover in Calgary's end. He kind of beats two Calgary players who are trying to fight for that loose puck as well. Ends up finding Yanni Gord. He's flying into the zone and is able to get the puck down low to Yanni. And Yanni just picks that up and he finds a wide open Victor Rask, who's also coming into the zone at the right time. And he's able to beat Markstrom on a one-timer as well. And just like that, that would give Seattle their second lead of the night. And then after holding off a couple waves of attack from the Flames there, Seattle would extend their lead to two goals when Alex Wenberg enters the zone with the puck, finds Larson pinching in with some speed, and he gives a little shimmy shake move and somehow sneaks a puck right under marks from there. Yeah, just like that, they had that 3-1 to one lead, and it was looking really good for the Kraken. And that, that was just great patience by Wenberg to find Larson on that play. You know, he, he didn't throw anything on net. And, you know, he kind of waited for a... Uh, a play to create and open up 
But honestly, the real underrated part of that whole sequence was how Jonas Donskoy was able to drive the, the center lane there, go right to the net. And he drew both of those Flames defenders right into their own crease. And that opened up all that space and that whole lane for Wenberg to make that pass over to Larson. And that really led to that third goal for the Kraken in that hockey game. Talking about little things earlier with Matty Beneers, right? Like that's a perfect example with Donskoy there. Something we try and teach the kids all the way coming up through. Look, like you've got to drive the middle of the ice to the net there to create space. You might not get the puck, but it's going to result in good things. And that's exactly what coaches are talking about. And, you know, to add on that point, uh, it's important too with Donskoy driving that net, you know, Larson gets that puck back. He makes a little shimmy shake to kind of, you know, free up a bit of a lane for him too. But if that's a saved puck, then Donskoy is in the perfect position to try to get a rebound chance as well. So uh, you make a great point too. He might not be heading there to receive a pass, but you're creating so much more uh, for your other players on your team, uh, you know, to get a really good offensive opportunity. So yeah, things we love to see for sure. Other things we love to see. Seattle's got a great opportunity to take two points from the Flames here, up 3-1 going into the third period there. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, things would kind of turn into a bit of a shit show to start the third period. Um, Yeah, it kind of felt like the hockey gods were not going to let the Kraken get away with a win in this game. After some questionable penalties on Vince Dunn and then Yanni Gord back-to-back when they had just got a power play opportunity and you know by questionable by questionable i mean fucking horrible calls <laughs> not gonna lie they were weak calls i didn't like them at all i was kind of livid by them but calgary gets this lengthy four on three power play and you know you when it's a four on three there's so much more room um for the other team and matthew kachuk you know is able to score his second goal of the game making it three two and of course johnny hockey getting his 100 100th point on the play as well yeah i think they said that was the first flame since theo flurry to get 100 points so like holy shit that's a long time right that is a very long time and they have a very good chance to have two flames hit that mark this year um which is something i don't know maybe they did it back in those days as well but it's been you know long before we were born since uh, that team has pulled something like that off. So, I mean, what a season for Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, this man is going to get paid. Yeah, I think last I seen, he was on pace for almost 90 even strength points. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Even strength? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, yeah, the, the guy's leading the NHL in plus minus, and I know people are like, well, that's just like, you know, a phantom stat or, you know, something like that. But honestly, that's just wild. And yeah, wherever he ends up, if he stays a Calgary Flame, uh, that would be pretty impressive if they do get him signed. But if not, there's going to be some teams with money. I mean, I'm thinking the Kraken, baby. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to afford to throw some serious cash at some players. So uh, who knows? I will bet you whatever you want that Goudreau is a Philadelphia Flyer next year. Really? You're, you're going to offer me that kind of bet? Within reason. Anything you want within reason. <laughs> I mean, All I'm right, giving we're... you 31 to 1 odds, kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah, Flyers are busted. Yeah. Yeah, true. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'll have to... You uh, think on that one. I will. I'll have to come back to you on that one for sure. But uh, the fucking Flames, man, they just kept coming. 
Mangiapane is just sitting right in the crease of Grubauer. He's able to pop in a greasy rebounder to tie the game right up very shortly after they scored that second goal. And that one hurt, man, because you could just feel the energy in the building and you could just feel your gut start to sink because you knew that goal was coming at any point with the way Calgary was pushing back. And then on Seattle's fifth penalty of the game, a tripping call on Donskoy in case you're wondering, the Flames take the lead for the first time in the game, fuck me, off another howitzer from Noah Hannafin that just straight up beats Grubauer cleanly off the post and in. Yeah, that was just a clean look there. Um, yeah, tough one. Tough one for Grubauer there. Maybe out of any of those goals, that's probably the one he wants back the most. But, uh, I mean, that was a perfectly placed shot there. And, yeah, unfortunately, man, it was just the Flames just came too hard in that third period. And Seattle just couldn't muster up the ability to come back in this hockey game. And, you know, of course, they would pull the goalie at the end for the extra attacker. Um, never made anything of it, couldn't get any zone time. And Matthew Kachuk, of, sco- of course, scores the empty netter for his hat-trick goal and a bit of a heartbreaker for Seattle once again. Yeah, I mean, especially having such a strong first 40 minutes, having a chance up to going into the last 20 to close out a game against Calgary, that's kind of a tough one. It is, right? So Calgary ends up taking both games in a back-to-back situation like that. But yeah, what did you think of Matty Benier's first game, man? I thought it was good. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't like blow the barn doors off. Holy shit, look at what we've got, the best prospect in hockey. But it was a steady first game for a good building block for this team going forward. You could see him kind of get tired as the game went on, getting out-muscled a little bit. Like These are all men that he's playing against. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, he's still just a boy. Give him a couple of years, let him really grow into getting used to the schedule in the NHL too. And we'll see where he's at, but I like oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like it too. And I think that's why it's so important, so vital to be able to give him these stretch of hockey games before the end of the season. Cause that's going to help him so much going into the next year and just getting a taste of what it's like, you know, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance to play four games this upcoming week. Uh, that's going to be a huge difference to what he's used to. Um, so, you know, I liked it. I was obviously very impressed. I thought the first 40 minutes for the Kraken were, you know, really outstanding. But, uh, you know, Matt Abeneers didn't get a whole lot of ice time in that third. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens when your team ends up taking a bunch of penalties like that. Uh, obviously, Beneers right now isn't on the PK. Something we will see for sure. I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, that he'll get a lick on the uh, the PK. But yeah, I liked it. He looked great. But yeah, near the end of the game, there it seemed like it it was a bit fading. They're a bit fading there, and I mean Calgary was coming at him very strongly. So definitely a great forty minutes. Obviously, they'd like to redo that last 20 because there could be a, a much different outcome in that hockey game. Yeah, and one thing I really liked too was, as you said, the late game went on late and Calgary was going at him. He didn't shy away from any puck battles or going after anything, the physicality. He stayed engaged, and that's something you like to see. When you get tired and it's got hard, he sticks with it. Leadership oh, yeah. material. Oh, 100%. He's an absolute gamer. Like He goes very hard he, he's not somebody who's going to stick to the outsides uh he's going to fight for the middle of the ice and you know he, he's already proven that in these these first two hockey games and uh unfortunately we didn't get him see see him play the very next night against winnipeg 
like we said, big snowstorm. Side note, did you see any footage from that? No, I didn't see anything from Winterpeg. Oh my goodness. There were some places that had uh, like 50 to 70 centimeters. Really? Like It was, yeah, it was crazy. Some of the pictures and stuff. So it makes sense why that game ended up being canceled. But yeah, something you don't see very often in April, at least, is games getting canceled uh, in the NHL because of snowstorms. But uh, when you, yeah, when you're living in Winterpeg, that will happen. No, you get the odd game from uh, the East Coast cities there where they're like, shit, hey, uh, there's a hurricane coming, guys. Can we uh, move the game? Not too often yeah. you get the snowstorm up in Winnipeg. Yeah, and this is the second game this year that uh, was canceled, I believe, right? Due to uh, weather conditions for the Kraken, of course, when they were playing the Rangers. I believe it was the Islanders game. You know, New York yeah, City had that right. big snowstorm. So twice already in this season but uh you know things things that just uh you know come a little unexpected but at the same time kind of expected too weird way to put it but yeah why don't we move right along to uh the game they played this weekend of course back in their home barn for maddie benier's first home game in the nhl against the new jersey devils a team that is mightily struggling as of recently right yeah i mean this is a team who since January 1st and even more after the trade deadline there is kind of just falling apart, right? Which yeah. definitely gives Seattle their best opportunity to win their second home game on a Saturday night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Second. Oh yeah, second. I know. That's wild that they they just can't pull off any wins on these Saturday night games. So um we'll see what next year brings of course but they did make a couple line changes last game kale flurry was on the back end and this this game we've seen hayden flurry get put in there on that third pairing with carson Soucy. and then yeah victor rask and jared mccann kind of switched lines as well but uh, we still seen that maddie benier's line of jordan everly uh and ryan donato so so that was really good and man this building was absolutely insane it was so electric for this one wasn't it they were fired up. They knew it was Maddie B's first home game. They knew what they were getting. Yeah. And, you know, take out the first game of the season or the first home game, I guess you could say. Would you consider this to be the biggest game of the year for the Kraken? Right up there. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty big. First home I, game for your best prospect and highest drafted player ever. Yeah, I would say that's right up there for, uh, you know, possibly the biggest game of the year. More, most anticipation for a game uh, besides their very first game and first home game, I would say. But yeah, the building was absolutely buzzing. And uh, yeah, it's you know, the team who gives up the first goal the most times of any NHL team ended up continuing that trend in this hockey game. Jesper Bratt ends up ripping a shot over the glove of Grubauer to open the scoring just a few minutes into that first period. And uh, the home debut for Beneers didn't get off to the greatest start. No, I mean, that was a little bit tough there. And watching that one, it's, I don't want to be a dick, but it's hard not to be like, dude, Shahan, what the fuck, bro? Like you make the perfect play on the far side there. You get the puck in deep as the D steps up on you in the blue. You know, you're going for a change and you dog the change. So now you're three quarters of the way across the ice. You're stuck halfway between the bench and the middle of the ice, and you turn around to look at what's going on in New Jersey's end, and oh shit, Mikey McLeod's three feet behind you getting a breakout pass with a full head of steam. 
at the spot where you're supposed to either have already been changed or covered in the middle of the ice there. So I know he's yeah. tired, but just like a slight brain fart there just cost this whole play, right? Because McLeod <laughs> gets to come up through the yeah. middle of the ice, full head of steam, and that was it. That's funny because that's exactly the term I was going to use was brain fart there. And something you don't really expect from Shahan because, you know, his whole role is to be a shutdown centerman and and play that defensive side of the puck. So uh, definitely a brain fart there. But uh, yeah, after they end up uh, getting a pretty good penalty kill from the Kraken shortly after that. And, uh, you know, after killing off Carson Kuhlman's high sticking call there, Seattle carried some of that momentum right into their play and they end up tying this game right back up Durham. Yeah, just a beauty clapper from the point off a of Will Borgen blast that gets the game tied at one there. Pretty active penalty kill from the Kraken too. You know, didn't let New Jersey even register a shot on the play, kept the pressure up. And then it's Kuhlman who ends up making a pass to Borgen and sets up the Kraken's first goal of the game. Yeah, uh, great response from Kuhlman there. Uh, it, you know, especially when you take that penalty, you come out and you do something positive and help get that game tied back up. Man, we I know we keep pumping his tires, but I, I really, really, really have enjoyed Carson Kuhlman's game out there. I think he's been a, a, a fantastic addition, especially uh, for somebody who we picked up off the waiver wire. Um, I, I really like this player, and I hope he's on this team next se- next season. I think if he's not on this team next season, it means we traded him for someone way better, which obviously I don't see happening, but Kuhlman's been a hell of a player for us, so he'd better be here next year. Yeah, exactly. And and just, uh, just Will Borgen's second goal of the year so far, too. I believe his other goal was against his former team in Buffalo there, where he was able to snap one in off the point. So good to see Borgen getting uh, another goal again for him that's that's huge for him but uh yeah before the period ended there seattle gets caught puck watching in their own zone and it it ends up being both borgen and alexiak who kind of get stuck watching pavel zaka for too long and they don't pick up jesper jesper bockfist who sneaks right into the slot there and uh you know ends up taking the pass and beating grubauer on the play yeah, I mean, that's a tough look there for Seattle. A couple defensive breakdowns early into the game cost them a couple goals against. But, I mean, hell of a backhand sauce from Zaka there too, though. I'll give credit where credit's Ooh. due. Little 10-foot, 3-inch rise. Yeah, it was nice. And then uh, before that period ended too, we'd see Sprung get sprung for a breakaway. And he comes down with just tons of speed and snaps a shot over top of the net. Uh, very close to tying the game there, but no dice for him. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's been a bit of a struggle for for Daniel Sprong since uh, he had that hot start with Seattle in his first three games. He put up three goals. But Durham, since then, not a single goal in seven games and not even a single point in that span either. So that's one of those things with Daniel Sprong, like we talked about, when he isn't producing offense, there's not a whole lot of value that he's going to bring to this lineup. No, so he's definitely going to be a guy who's going to be in the lineup. I mean, assuming we keep him next year, I think he could provide value in and out when he is streaky like that. When he's hot, he's hot. But Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're going to get with him if you keep him, is you're going to be, like you said, a streaky guy, and he's going to be in the lineup for five or six games, and then he'll probably be out of the lineup when he stops producing for a couple yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where I think you even mentioned too that he could be quite a streaky player at times. Uh, and I know that's something you've probably caught on with uh, when he, you know, had some time in Pittsburgh there and then he was moved over to, was it Anaheim? Yep. Yep, Anaheim, spent some time with Washington too. 
So yeah, he's bounced around. It's, it's one of those things where you really, you know, with a team like the Kraken, we don't have the best offense right now, right? It's difficult for us to produce offense at times. So he does bring that element that we're missing, but it's also hard for him to, to find a spot in this lineup that really fits his game a whole lot. Well, cause you don't want to be a detriment to the team too, right? Like, yeah, sure. You might create five offensive chances for us a game, but if you're creating seven for the other team, then what good are you for us really? Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. And yeah, going into that second period of this hockey game, um, pretty quiet second period, not a whole lot of uh, exciting action, at least in the first half of it, because we had a bit of a wild second half to the period, Durham. Yeah, after a couple successful penalty kills there, Carson Soucy evens the score after a sweet feed from McCann to the slot where Dr. Seuss is able to just glide in, freeze up Nico Dawes, and beat him blocker side there. Oh, that was a beauty. And uh, that would give Soucy his 10th goal of the year, and that would mark his very first time in his NHL career so far that he's hit the double digits in Geno's. And yeah, how important is that for Carson Soucy? This guy has been... Nothing but a bright spot since he started his NHL career just a few years ago, coming up through the Minnesota Wilds organization. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, he was a guy over there who was kind of known for being a little bit more defensive, mean, and physical, right? So now that he's able to show he's got the offensive side to his game too, that's big for him being able to establish himself as a top 4D. Yeah, he's been a, such a great defenseman on this team. And take a look at his stats. Like, I think he's 10 goals, 10 assists, 20 points, which isn't bad. But the fact that he's a plus player on this hockey team, too, speaks volumes of how good he is in his own zone and his ability to defend. And he's a big body guy with a with a big point shot. Uh, like, he does it all. To me, he's he's that perfect mold of an NHL defenseman that you want. Yeah, he's going to be great if we ever get to playoffs. He'll be great for this team in playoffs. Oh, yeah. And we will be there one day. But the action in this hockey game was not over there, Durham. Seattle ends up going to the power play for their second time in the hockey game. And Durham, we get to witness history. Face off win for the Kraken. Here's Dunn with a shot, buddy. face off right to the net McCann with the good tip off the post Veneers has to fight through the checking of Sharon Govich to get to the front of the net he doesn't give up on the play the puck is spinning makes no mistake to put that one in the back of the net great hustle Durham first NHL goal alert Matty Veneers in his second NHL game First game at home, scores his very first NHL career goal. And not only that, but makes it a power play goal. How awesome of a moment was that? Oh, it's huge. You can just see the excitement on not just his face, but everyone on the team. They were so thrilled for this kid to get his first one. And not just his first one, but first one that scored at home too. That's just such a big moment. Yeah, and stick taps to John Forslund and JT Brown there with the call, and they perfectly uh, broke down that play for us. Uh, that was just just amazing moment. Obviously, they pick up the puck for him, you know, after the celebration. That crowd was going nuts, and yeah, just break down that goal for us. 
Well, you know, McCann wins the draw. Everly taps it back to Dunn there, who's on his left side. And they kind of rotate and pull everyone in. You know, Dunn drives the middle of the ice, walks the line there, throws it to the net. Nice tip by McCann, goes off the post. And Beneers, knowing the puck's going to the net, he drives it too, ready for the rebound, that killer instinct of his. And he finds the puck and slams it home for his very first goal, which would also mark his first power play goal, like you said there, and his first power play point. And a goddamn yeah. beautiful Kraken sweater. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that was just just unbelievable to see, man. I was absolutely stoked when that happened. And uh, yeah, we're definitely something we're going to see a lot of going forward. Just a, a fantastic moment for, for the kid there. And yeah, after entering the second period down by one, because of that goal and the way the Kraken played, uh, they end up leaving that period up by one, heading into the final 20 miles of the hockey game, uh, heading into that third period, eh? Yeah, I mean, going into the third here, both you and I predicted extra time, right? OT win, so uh, let's keep this going. Let's uh, make them predictions right, boys. Yeah, that's you know, a just... plus one for the boys. Hopefully. Because just five minutes into the third here, the Kraken surrender their one-goal lead when Damon Severson pinches in from the point and scores to tie the game, making the seesaw battle keep going back and forth here. Yeah, and fuck, did holy fuck, did the crowd ever come alive in the final minutes of the game, dude? The intensity ramped right up. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. It almost felt like uh, well, well, the Seattle did end up starting to utilize their body a bit more in that third period. I thought too. And they were throwing their weight around. Even Beneers was, was throwing some big, big hits out there himself. So just things you love to see. And yeah, in those final minutes of that third period, you just it just felt like the whole energy, the whole building came alive. And it was like a little taste of playoff hockey. Yeah, and then uh, on Saturday night here in Seattle, we're going to get a little extra hockey, everybody, because we're going to overtime. And it does yeah. not get any better than that, eh? No, it certainly doesn't. And we didn't see a whole lot until the last couple minutes of overtime where we've seen this great, absolutely great individual play from Matty Beneers. You know, he gains the zone, ends up cutting to the sideboards there, makes this unbelievable play to try to flick the puck like over and around one of the New Jersey defenders there you know, is able to find that puck after he does it and just drives the the front of the net there and tries to squeak one in. And that was just, you know, you were witnessing some of the magic that Matty Veneers can do out there. And not only that, but he ends up drawing the penalty on the play too with a minute 15 left in overtime. Fucking kid is just goddamn electric to watch. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much more dangerous the power play looks already with Beneers there. You know, now we've got a legitimate threat to be a shooter on both sides of the ice with McCann and Maddie there. Dude, it completely looks like totally different. Honestly, like it, it's kind of like the comparable where, you know, I, as a Sens fan, I'm going to compare it to the way Tim Stutzla made the Sens power play completely different. That's exactly what Beneers has done so far with the Kraken's power play. It just adds such a high offense, high IQ uh, dimension to that power play. He's going to do so much wonders for this power play going forward. And we've seen a little bit of uh, s some more of that magic on that power play chance there at the end. Yeah, he then went for the little uh, sneaky through-the-legs play beside the net there, which would have been an epic way to end your second game in the show, eh? 
Yeah, he ends up, uh, it kind of gets a little bounced on him there. I think New Jersey too, they, uh, they end up slashing his stick a little bit so he doesn't get a clean shot off. But just the fact that he's going for that through the legs play uh, in overtime to try to win the game just shows all the confidence that this kid is oozing. Nonetheless, though, this game's going to go to a shootout. Yep, and Ryan Donato would be the first one up. And, oh my, Lanta, he absolutely sends Nico Dawes' jockstrap right into the rafters of Climate Pledge Arena with the filthiest little deke. That was a beauty. Yeah, he certainly made that one look simple, eh? Just walks in a little silky smooth. Hey, how are you? Yeah, it, it was it was incredible. New Jersey would come down. They missed their chance, which ended up setting Beneers up uh, for the next shooter. And he goes in, and he hits the post. Man, that was very close. Could have ended up being a winner, too, but that's fine. He'll get another chance. But, yeah, just ends up finding the outside of the post, and it stays out. And that's fine. You know why? Because New Jersey gets denied by the German gentleman, which gave Sprong a chance to win it, but he would miss too. Yeah, leaving Grubauer to make the final stop for the win. And his best friend, the post next to him, comes up big with the stop. And the Kraken win this hockey game, baby. Matty Beneers' first game at home. And oh my God, this was our Stanley Cup game, baby. Well, this year it was at least. <laughs> we'll have another oh, yeah. one next year. Oh, yeah, this was this year's Stanley Cup game for the Kraken. I really enjoyed this one, man. Uh, you know, it came down all the way to the wire. And give I got to give New Jersey credit. I mean, they battled in this game. Uh, you know, they had a pretty good start, but the Kraken really started to take over this game. Uh, you know, I don't, it shouldn't have went to overtime, in my opinion, but it did. Uh, but again, what did you think of Matty Benier's game compared to, you know, game one to game two? I thought game two, you know, he showed a little bit more confidence. Obviously, if he's pulling between the legs shit and trying to chip it around, guys, he's feeling it, right? So it's going to yeah. be interesting to see what he's going to be like. It ends up being actually tonight against Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, because they got a game against uh, Ottawa tonight, of course, another home game. Be the second time that these two teams meet. Uh, and yeah, should we jump right into that one? Or can, do you want to touch on any more of uh, Matty Beneers' game so far? I think we can go right into Ottawa there. We've kind of been talking about Beniers for like 40 minutes now. Yeah, I know. I don't even want to stop. I just like, just so pumped to have this guy on the team finally. Um, you know, it's just electric to have him playing. But yeah, why don't we jump right into this game's, uh, or this week's games? My apologies there. Because they got a pretty busy schedule and it is not looking easy, man. They got Ottawa tonight, which... Uh, they haven't been too, too bad. 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10 games. Uh, so not too, too bad uh, of a matchup tonight against Ottawa, of course. Uh, the hottest player on that team has been their German stud, of course, Tim Stutzla. Uh, you know, I think he's got eight points in his last three games. So he's been absolutely red hot, taking over games for that team. And then it gets really hard after that, Durham. Yeah, I mean, that Ottawa team, that's something... Like, they've been playing well the last little bit. Their young kids are stepping up. I mean, you being a big Ottawa fan, you know that. And bringing up Stutzla, since the deadline, Stutzla, Kachuk, and Norris are all tied with 15 points. But Stutzla's got less games played than those guys. So he's really bringing it in the points-per-game production there. He is. He's he's really 
finding his groove offensively and he's looking like uh, just a dynamite player. Somebody who I, I honestly expect him to hit 70 plus points next season. Uh, you know, he's going to be one of those fantasy guys. You're, you're probably going to want to draft higher than where he's going to be ranked, but yeah, I, you know, the, it's going to be a fun matchup tonight against Ottawa. Of course, two teams who are, you know, close to the bottom of the standings again, but still lots to fight for between these two games. Um, you know, both of these teams are in positions where you're not just playing to try to win this game. You're playing for a spot on these teams next season, right? So uh, these teams are still going to show up to compete and there's still tons to play for. Exactly. And then, like you said, after the Ottawa game, it gets a little bit tougher. We've got Colorado, Minnesota and Dallas throughout the rest of the week. And the reason I'm saying all three of them at the same time is all three of those teams since the trade deadline are top six in the NHL for points. Like, holy yeah, shit. These, these are going to be some insanely hard matchups, uh, but it's going to be, you know, another showcase to see what this team's really made of, because these are going to be absolutely battles for this Kraken team. Um, before we move on from Ottawa, give me a score prediction for tonight's game. Ooh, I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. I'm going to go 5-3 Seattle. 5-3 Seattle. I like it. I, uh, I'll i go 4-3 again for Seattle in overtime. Um, going to reverse the scores from when they played last time. I believe Ottawa won 4-3 in overtime. So we're going 4-3 for the Kraken in this one. And moving on from that, two days later, they do play the Colorado Avalanche. And yeah, we haven't had much success against this team this year. But how many teams truly have? I mean, they're going to be coming in. Right now, they have a record of 55, 14, and 6, and they're currently on a nine-game winning streak. Like, it doesn't get much harder than that, right? Currently first in the NHL, too, uh, with the same amount of games played as Florida, but they're up uh, two more points than them. Uh, This is not going to be an easy matchup by any means. No, like this, I mean, the only thing you're hoping for here is with Colorado having clinched first in the West, they might start resting, guys. Honest to God, that's the only hope we have. Yeah, not to that, sound like a <laughs> pessimist, but yeah, no, it. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to sit back and argue with you on that one. But uh, it does fall on a bit of a special date, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, four twenty, baby. Four twenty. Oh, <laughs> yeah, April twentieth, of course, the day for for potheads there. And uh, I just thought it was kind of funny because it is against Colorado and the uh, Mile High City. Exactly, the Mile High City, and the if first only it was in Colorado. There, is it at the first state that actually did legalize it? Denver, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm quite certain about that. I'm like 95 percent sure, but either way, ooh, it's gonna be a doozy. But uh, any score predictions for that one, man? Uh, it's gonna be a tough one. Oh, you always make me go first, and I feel bad saying this, but like six two Colorado. Yeah, they've had some games. I think they, you know, seven three was a game against Colorado earlier this year. There was another loss in there too. I can't uh, remember the score uh, at the top of my head right now, but ooh, this is going to be a hard one. I'm going to go five one for Colorado. I just everyone's on fire. I mean, Darcy Kemper's numbers are pretty insane. Uh, you know, in the last few months as well, he's 
literally a top three goalie in the league. You look at Makar, you know, top two defensemen in the league right now. You look at what their forwards are doing. Nathan McKinnon's been super hot again. Like they do have some injuries, but uh, this team is so deep that it, it doesn't affect them too, too much right now. Clearly, because they're on a nine game winning streak, right? So um, it doesn't get any easier too. two nights later on the Friday night. Uh, they hit the road for a couple games, Durham. The first one coming against Minnesota, who right now have a record of 46, 21 and seven. And they've been an absolute dynamite team since the deadline. Like you said, having a record of 11, one and three since then. And how about the addition of Marc-Andre Fleury and the numbers he has put up as well? absolutely insane Minnesota wild team right now. They're getting hot at the right time. Yeah. Talking about Mark Andre Fleury there since the deadline, when he came over to Minnesota in seven starts, he's got six wins, one loss, nine twenty one save percentage and a two fifty nine goals against like for being a guy who's almost a hundred. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah, it, it's very good. And uh, it, it seems like no matter what goalie they have in net, uh, they're going to get some pretty good production out of that goaltender, whether it's, you know, future Hall of Famer Marc-Andre Fleury or Cam Talbot, who's been very good and very steady for that team. And uh, again, another player on Minnesota who's breaking some uh, offensive records is uh, Kaprizov, right? He uh, he now owns the record for most points in a single season for Minnesota in history after breaking Marion Gabrick's record of, I believe, 93 points. Yeah, and I'm, it was, I want to say 80, actually. No, wait, that was uh, Nashville, never mind. That was Paul Correa, it was like 80-something. But he also broke the goal record, too, when he hit 43 in a season. Yeah, so, you know, obviously he's been such a dynamic player for that team and uh, fits in pretty nicely on that first line there. Uh, with Ryan Hartman playing the middle and um, Zuccarello playing on that right wing there. So pretty, pretty impressive team this year. No doubt about that. And other guys too. I mean, you look at Kevin Fiala and what he's accomplished this season. Uh, You look at some of the other players, Matt Boldy, for instance, he hasn't been in the lineup a whole lot of games, but when he is in the lineup, this guy's a contributor as well and looks like a very promising uh, right winger as well for this team. So, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup. Of course, Minnesota is going to do anything they can to get as much points as they can and put themselves in uh, the best position possible heading into playoffs. Yeah, Matt Boldy's a guy who I remember. I don't know if you remember, but when the draft was going on there, you and I had a bet. Well, not you and I specifically, but there was one up where the odd or the bet was who gets drafted first, Matt Boldy or Cole Caulfield. And I was really high on Boldy. And you said there was no fucking way Matt Boldy gets drafted before Cole Caulfield, who had a goal a game this year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not the only player who was shocked that Caulfield dropped out of the top 10. I mean, most had him pegged for around fifth or sixth overall, right? So, Oh, he definitely um, should have went way higher. Yeah. yeah but NHL... Well, if you could pick, who would you take, Boldy or Caulfield? I really, really like Boldy. I do too. I mean, the kid's a stud. He's he's a big body dude too, and uh, he's also number twelve, which is my favorite number. Mm. And uh, you know, as much as I I like Caulfield and everything, he does play for Montreal, so there's a little bit of. Uh, 
despise in there based on the team he's playing for. Um, but th- I mean, I don't think you can go wrong between picking one of those two players, right? No, I mean, they're both going to be first line wingers on your team. One's going to impact the game differently than the other one, but I think I'm taking Boldy. Mm-hmm. No respect on that choice for sure. Uh, like we said, you can't go wrong there. And uh, what about a score prediction for this one? Two nothing, Minnesota. Mark Andre Fleury shut out. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I know this is going to be a tough week for the Kraken, man. It's going to be hard to pull off two wins. Honestly, I, I you know, tonight against Ottawa, their best chance, no doubt. But uh, yeah, after those two teams who are red hot. You know, the very next night on the Saturday, again, another Saturday night game. They haven't been too successful in it, too. But they're going to be playing a Dallas team who, like we said, is fighting for a playoff spot. And, you know, they're going to be giving it everything they got to win this game. And they come in with a pretty good record, too. Of course, 43 wins on the year right now, 27 losses five in overtime, six wins in their last 10 games. They have kind of struggled a little bit as of as of recently, but uh, you know they're going to be bringing everything they got to try to secure two points. Yeah, this is a team that's definitely, you know, slipping a little bit more towards the defensive playoff hockey already. And you can see that in their stats since the trade deadline, where, like you said, they've been hot. We mentioned earlier, they're top six in the NHL for points since then. So since then, they're 9-3-2. and two. But what I want to point out is their goals for and against per game is the exact same. 2.79 goals for and against per game. So this team's really grinding out their wins and they're in playoff mode already and have been for a little while. So that's going to be a hell of a game that we got to be ready for. Yeah. And uh, again, another uh, hell of a first line on this hockey team with what uh, you know, the veteran Joe Pavelski has been able to do playing on the top line with Rupe Hints in the middle, and of course the young stud and Jason Robertson and what he's accomplished this season. Of course, uh, yeah, this team has some all right depth uh, down in, in their forward core, uh, and you know what, their defense is pretty deep too. I mean, right now they got John Klingberg playing on their third pair, which is pretty uh, pretty crazy to see. You know. That's nuts. Like, what was it? A year and a half, two years ago, everyone's like, is he one of the best offensive defensemen in the game? Yeah. And uh, we've seen that kind of slide out of his game. And, uh, you know, their top pair right now has Miro Heiskanen with Ryan Suter. Second pair is Essa Lindell with Yanni Hockenpah. And then their third pair is Joel Hanley with John Klingberg. So they got some weapons on each one of those D pairs. But uh, yeah, most of their offense is definitely coming uh, from their forwards and not so much from their D this year. So that might be a reason why they have kind of struggled. And one other interesting note is just what's been happening in net with this team. Uh, They've obviously bounced around from a lot of goaltenders who've played games for this team. Uh, Right now, Jake Ottinger's taken over that starting position, which shouldn't really be a shocker with how he's played for them these uh, past basically season and the play in playoffs there. Uh, but yeah, Kudobin obviously been out for however long now, Braden Holpe, he's listed as out. He he took some time in their starting position this year. So that's one area that uh, when you look at this team heading into playoffs, you're definitely a little worried about. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of solidity, solidity, solidness. I don't know. They're not very solid in that there. Solidarity. I don't know. <laughs> No, you know, you're you're 
completely right there. And uh, yeah, what can you expect from this matchup, though? What kind of style of play are they going to bring? Gritty, physical, dump and chase hockey, I think. Other than, like you mentioned, that first line you're going to want to have to look out for. There was a stat, mind you, this was a week or two ago. So this has obviously changed. But at the time, that first line of uh, Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz combined for 92 goals. The rest of the Dallas Stars combined were 117. Yeah, that's pretty wild when one line is literally coming up with, you know, 44, 40-some percent, something like that of uh, their goal output, right? It'd be around that 40% mark, I'm thinking in my head, roughly. You know, not the biggest stats guy, but that's pretty intense because on average, I think it's usually around, you know, maybe a third of your goals are coming from your first line. You know, mind you, that's when when a team has a steady first line that, you know, isn't changing a lot, right? So um, that's typically the case. But no, that first line has definitely carried this team for pretty much most of this season. And for that reason, them being a one-line team, I think we're going to be able to shut that down considering our goals against average are absolutely disgusting in the last month. Get over it, rest of the league. I'm going 3-2 win. I like it. Yeah, pulling out the win here against Dallas. Uh, again, they're going to be on the second of a back-to-back. Um, but, you know, Dallas could be in that position too. I'm not exactly sure what their schedule is. But I like that. Going with the win here. Um, I'm a big fan of that. I think they could pull out two wins and I think this would probably be the game where they can get it done just based on seeing how we'd match up against them. Um, you you got to think with the way that Sagan and Ben have struggled and kind of fell off the map a little bit. Um, this team will be one that probably won't find much success in the playoffs, even if they do sneak in. Hockey fans. Feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their very first deposit and play free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit with and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to the pod, Kraken fans. And Durham, we had some sad news this past week. One of the legends of the game has passed away. Do you want to take this one over? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we lost Mike Bossy in the hockey world. You know, uh, one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play the game, if not the greatest pure goal scorer. The Hall of yeah. Famer was a four-time Stanley Cup champion with the New York Islanders. He won the Calder Trophy as the top rookie in 77-78. 
also won the Conn Smythe as playoff MVP in 1982 when he scored 17 goals and 10 assists in only 19 games, which is freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. To go on, he would score 573 goals in just 10 NHL seasons, owns the highest goals per game in NHL history, has nine straight 50 goal seasons, nine straight 50 goal seasons, and he had 85 goals in only 129 playoff games. Like, what a freaking career. Yeah, just uh, an amazing career. And yeah, it's just insane. He actually went back-to-back years in the playoffs of uh, playing 19 games and scoring 17 goals in 19 games. So he did it the very next year too, but was not named MVP that year at all uh, either. So um, yeah, this is... a. Uh, Definitely the argument there for greatest goal scorer of all time. But yeah, we had to show our love and respect for Mike Bossy, um, you know, a fellow Canadian as well. So, um, you know, just one of the greatest to ever play the game. And, you know, when you hear stories about Mike Bossy and whatnot, there's nothing but positive things that, that are said against this guy, a very humble guy. And uh, yeah, the fact that he won those four Stanley Cups with the Islanders there too. Just what an incredible run he had in his uh, his career. But uh, it is a bit shocking to see that he only played in the 10 seasons, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely an injury-shortened career, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of took its toll on him there. And going back to Mike Bossy's stories, one of my favorite stories of almost any player happens to be a Mike Bossy story before he gets drafted to the Islanders. The GM and Al Arbor were talking at the time about who they were going to pick. And the GM said to Al, well, there's this kid that's going to be probably a good pro. He's good at defense, not the greatest offense, but he's not going to hurt you. And then there's this other kid. All he does is score goals. He does not play defense. And Al Arbor said, draft the kid that scores. Cause I can teach people how to play defense. And that kid ended up being Mike Bossy. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And uh, yeah, they definitely didn't go wrong with that pick. Uh, No doubt about that. I mean, when you own the highest goals per game in NHL history, uh, yeah, that is an absolutely huge statement. And I don't know if that'll ever be broken, considering how many goals he scored in that 10-year span in the NHL. Um, that might be a record that goes untouched. Yeah, that's definitely one that's going to be there for a long time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so rest in peace, Mike Bossy, And uh, yeah, one of the greatest to ever play the game. So uh, we had to add that in. But moving along here with uh, some more NHL news, Durham, Evgeny Malkin suspended four games for cross-checking Nashville Predators defenseman uh, Mark Borowiecki in the face during a game last week, what did you think of the suspension? Oh, I thought he earned every second of the suspension. Whatever whatever amount of games he got, he was getting. But I might sound like a fucking dickhead here, but Christ, I laughed so hard when I saw it. I mean, I, <laughs> obviously it hurt and I felt bad for Borowiecki, but as a Pens fan, you're laughing watching it because it's like, dude, what are you fucking doing? You're just standing there, and then you just cross-check the guy in the fucking face. Like, that looked no like shit, it hurt, you're man. getting a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, that's de- four games definitely deserved, like you said, every second of that. A uh, bit of a nasty cross-check right to the face there. And uh, 
you know, we, we, we know that Malkin has a bit of a nasty side and a bit of a temper at times, but uh, you don't really see this out of Malkin too, too often. Uh, something like that coming from him, eh? Uh, not, not up in the face, but like you said, he does get frustrated and he will use his stick. I've seen him just beat people like a mule with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, he's paying the price this time but yeah definitely you know i think i said in the group chat three to five games so it was right in between that so ends up landing on four games so uh i think that was kind of expected to be right around there but yeah you kind of got a feel for uh borvietsky there that uh looked pretty painful dude oh there was some leakage there like yeah. i do feel bad for him that fucking sucks but i mean yeah that's a guy who you know each and every year he's dropping the gloves and fighting some of the toughest guys. So he's used to taking shots in the face. I mean, you could clearly see it too. I mean, he's missing uh, a few teeth right in the front. So no shocker there, but uh, yeah, you could tell that one really hurt, man. Uh, Taking a stick to the face is not a good feeling. No. And then uh, that also wouldn't be the only injury news we have to share here today. Uh, LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty undergoes wrist surgery and he's going to be out the remainder of the season. That's a big blow yeah. for LA. Yeah, huge blow for LA. That uh, like completely, completely damages their chances of getting past the first round, in my opinion. Uh, without having Drew Doughty, a guy who is always top three for logging minutes and you know plays such an outstanding game and is respected by so many of his NHL peers and fellow players, to lose him uh, where the LA Kings are right now and when you look at their back end without him, it doesn't look like a great back end. Um, this is a tough blow for this LA Kings team who has having, having such an incredible season this year and a great bounce back year. Like you talk about how much it hurts their chances of getting out of the first round. Uh, it almost kills their chances of getting into the first round. Like they're only three points up on Vegas. Who's mm-hmm. not in a playoff spot. And Vegas has a game in hand. Vegas has six games left. LA's only got five. Like, missing Doughty here could fuck them out of a playoff spot. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's going to come down to the wire for them. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch that development. And and you've kind of seen it too. They've struggled as of recently. They haven't had them in the lineup for a few games now. So uh, that's that's a big blow to that LA team, man. And, and you feel for them, right? Because... Losing out on one of your biggest star players right before the playoffs start, uh, it's not a good feeling, and it's probably a bit gut-wrenching in that locker room too. No, they're definitely feeling the after effects of that one right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we had a bit of a report from Jeff Merrick come out about uh, uh, the PWHPA, which is the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Uh, so news has been announced that they will be getting more teams in that league. Six of those being in Canada now and the six of those in the States. So, uh, just a bit more news on that. It appears like, sorry, it appears that the league will begin in January, 2023 and run, uh, through April, 2023. So a bit of a short season, but, uh, it's expected to be about a 32 game schedule and, uh, some more reports on it that you know no player is going to make any less than 35k and the average salary for each player in that league is about 55k which when you look at um you know the stretch of what four months that's not too too bad um but uh yeah do you want to touch on this news because it's absolutely exciting it's great news 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's great that they're actually going to have a league that looks like it's going to have a bit of financial stability. And one of the biggest things, too, there is benefits are going to be included for the players. I don't think that was something that was in there before. And if it was, it dropped their salary quite a bit. So now it's going to be like an actual competitive league where they're not going to have to do it as a recreational activity, right? Like they're not going to have to have another job on the side. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, this is just huge for women's sports and women's hockey. And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, here's now a huge opportunity to grow this game and, you know, create, create an actual platform uh, for this game. And and this is going to help with that so much more. And I just think of all, all the young girls out there who are going to get more of a chance to watch these girls play or watch these ladies play, uh, you know, in a professional league and, you know, that's doing nothing but good things for the league and, uh, and, you know, for the future of women's hockey and, you know, hopefully it inspires a lot of young women out there, uh, to also be able to play, uh, the game and, and feel included in it as well. And I, I love this. This is, uh, taking all the right steps to try to grow the game and all the areas it needs grow. It needs to be grown in. And Durham, we also have some other news that came out today. Uh, we might have some new Kraken owners on our hands, eh? Yeah, Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore joined the uh, minority investor group there for Seattle's ownership. Yeah, so uh, this is pretty exciting. Of course, this news just came out this morning, so we don't have a whole lot on it. But uh, obviously, the people of Seattle are very, very familiar with... Uh, you know, the star singer that came out of there, Macklemore, who's, uh, you know, grew up in that area. And not only him, but uh, the retired NFL running back, Marshawn Lynch, who, um, you know, played there for, I believe, seven years for the Seahawks and, uh, you know, helped bring a huge uh, Super Bowl championship uh, to Seattle. So that's very exciting to hear that. Yeah, and Lynch is going to take part and, you know, join in with the uh, Seattle Initiative Hockey's for Everyone and get that going in the community there, which they've already got going a bit. And he's going to just jump in and help out and be a big part of that. And then for Macklemore, you're going to see him jumping in and creating community and fan engaging music events. And then he's also got a clothing line for golf, like called Bogey Boys. And he's going to be throwing them together with Seattle, and they're going to get a Seattle Kraken golf tournament going. So uh, keep your eyes out for Whoa, that. Oh, that's exciting! No, that's awesome, man. Glad to hear that. And uh, like you, like you touched on uh, the bit about Marshawn Lynch's involvement with uh, the partic- uh, participation in the club's hockey is for everyone campaign. Uh, that's an awesome addition, man. And uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't realize that Marshawn Lynch was still quite young and he retired from NFL, uh, from the NFL at age 30. So, you know, at 35, he's now a part owner of the Kraken. And uh, yeah, that's that's huge for them because this franchise is going to do nothing but grow and get better and their value is going to shoot up. So a uh, very smart play on these players. And they're not just doing it for the money, of course. You're seeing what else they're bringing to those communities. And they want to be a big part of this organization. So that's very exciting. I love the quote from Lynch where he's like, I was a part of bringing the first ring back to Seattle in the NFL. And now I'm going to be part of bringing the first one again in the NHL. Yeah, I I love that, dude. That's awesome. So uh, very excited for that. And to watch that develop as well. So uh, moving right along, though, Durham, we got uh, the player of the week. And uh, do you want to give that to uh, the fans here? Give it to the fans. 
Yeah, give it to the podcast listeners who that player of the week is. I don't think this one's a shocker at all. Oh, shit. For a second, I thought you meant give player of the week to the fans. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. They didn't <laughs> Sorry, play. Yeah. I worded that a little poorly, but yeah. Went over my head, but it's Matty the Batty. We're going with Matthew Beneers because in two games this week, he had a goal and an assist, and he's decided to split them up, you know, one in one game, one in the other game, so he's not just showing up in one and taking a day off on the next one. He's bringing it in both of those events. Four shots on net as well, three hits, throwing the body around, blocking shots too. He got one of those big in the defensive zone. And what's tough for a 19-year-old, 50% on the draws, baby. Yeah, that's that's probably uh, one of the stats that is a little underlooked here is the fact that he's 50% in two games so far, which, uh, you know, we knew he would, be, he would be playing the middle of the ice because he's so good at that. But one of the hardest things to adjust is uh, the ability to win draws for these young guys coming in. He looks like he's having no problems with that whatsoever. But uh, Maddie the Batty, I like that name. Is that something we're going to use going forward here? Ah, we'll see if it fits. You know, you try a couple out, you go with what feels right, what flows off the tongue nicely. Yeah, I do like it. It does flow off the tongue nicely, so I'm all for it. Uh, Moving along here, Durham, I believe you also have some uh, stat of the week lined up for us, so why don't you give us that as well? For our stat of the week, we're going to the Seattle Kraken as a whole. And what we're talking about here is progression. That means we got better. Because from the start of the year up to the trade deadline, the Kraken were 28th in the NHL in goals against per game. That's fifth last for anyone that doesn't want to do the math. That's dog water. That means like 3.57 goals against per game. Yuck. Now, we said progression, right? Meaning we're getting better? Yep. So from the trade deadline to now, we're 11th in the league. We're almost top 10. Suck it, 18 other teams. We passed you. Only 2.91 goals against per game right now. We are chugging along. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're definitely uh, tweeting that one out because uh, the people need to know that this team is progressing. And this is the type of goaltending that we expected from the very start. But it looks like it's actually starting to settle in. And that's where we're starting to get those numbers from now too, right? So if they could bring this into next season and have something similar like that, and then the addition of Matty Beneers plus whatever you add in uh, through free agency, uh, I'd assume they're looking at adding up obviously more scoring up front, maybe a defenseman in there too. Who knows, especially after losing out on, uh, well, losing Mark Giordano. Uh, A couple little tweaks like that with this hockey team and the ability to sustain some of those goaltending stats. I mean, this team could be playoff bound, do we say, next season? Whoa. Whoa. I mean, it. it it might not be out of the realm, dude. It might not be out of the realm. I know it's a small sample size we're getting those stats from, but uh, it could very well happen, man. You never know, right? Exactly. I mean, crazier things have happened, right? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That's an awesome stat. I friggin' loved it. And, uh, I think, I think it's time to, uh, to wrap this podcast up though, Durham. I think, uh, next week we're going to be looking at some NHL playoff stuff, trying to see who the contenders are, who the pretenders are in each conference. 
and kind of nail down maybe some picks and some predictions too, because we're going to be on the verge of playoffs. So um, it's, it's a very exciting time of the year, but uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we end this podcast off? Go crack and go. Let's keep watching Maddie the baddie, put the puck in the back of the net. I love it. Yeah. Let's keep watching it, man. Two games, two points. Uh, no doubt this guy can maybe end the season off on a nice point per game stat line. So uh, very excited for this week and for tonight's game as well, because it's going to be a great one against the Ottawa Senators. But Durham, I think it's time to get the puck out of here. Thanks everyone for tuning in to episode number 30. Join us next week as we break down all four of those cracking games. And of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things cracking. Have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.